everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Brandon Bateman back with Bateman Collective and he flew in from Salt Lake City to talk about what's changed since he last came on to the show. Uh, when he was last came on, you know, we talked about Facebook and this and that. I told him that Facebook is a terrible idea and it turns out that was one of our best ROI. So we're going to talk about that. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and we've helped hundreds of people every single month buy more houses at deeper margins. And I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. Uh, the question you all the time is how to become 100 millionaires and information on this podcast alone is enough for you to become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. Uh, the show is brought to you by InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift, InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag your friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And as a friendly reminder, this is a live show every Wednesday, 2 o'clock Arizona time. Uh, we don't change with uh, daylight savings, so 2 o'clock Arizona time. And we are hiring, so if you guys are looking to work with me and my companies, go to disruptors.com slash hiring. And this is a live show, so please ask your questions for Brandon to answer. You ready? Ready. All right, so first of all, welcome back. Thank you so much, Steve. Happy to be back. Uh, the last time we did a show, there was a ton of questions and a ton of value and um, a few things have changed uh, mm -hmm. since you were last on the show. So I remember we had a debate or I was unconvinced on Facebook, mm -hmm. but you made a claim, right, at a mastermind that mm -hmm. Facebook was the best. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I remember that because that's where we met actually. Yeah. It was at that mastermind. Um, yeah, I mean, Facebook, I'm not going to say it's a perfect marketing channel, right? Every right. every marketing channel has its has its problems. Um, however, we do see that Facebook is our highest ROI channel across clients. Mm -hmm. Last time we talked, I told you that was true in 2020. Now I'll tell you that was true in 2021 as well. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a really strong channel. Now it's not the most scalable of all marketing channels. Mm -hmm. It's not the highest lead quality. You know that's why people that love Facebook. It's like it's almost like there's PPC junkies. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like people either like the people that like PPC. Yeah you know that they like PPC because they right. won't ever shut up about it. <laughs> it's you, like a CrossFit or vegans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly how PPC is. Yeah. Facebook doesn't have that cult following like those other <laughs> channels do yeah. because like the leads aren't just, they're not as quite, quite as high quality as those other channels, so they're not quite as addictive, so to right. speak. Um, but the cost is good. Yeah. So yeah. if we're looking at it overall, it tends to be the highest ROI channel. I consider it low-hanging fruit in any market. You know, So sure. we love to integrate that in. So, but the reason why you think is the highest ROI? What, what, what are the reasons why it's the highest ROI? So if we just look at the numbers, and mm -hmm. these are kind of round numbers, but they, they tend to hover pretty close to this. The, the Facebook cost per lead on average is about one third of a PPC cost per lead. Yeah. Um, the lead conversion is about half of a PPC lead conversion. Yeah. And the deals tend to be a little bit bigger than PPC deals because they're not quite as competitive. Right. Yes, they're less motivated. They're also less competitive. In most markets, the fact that they're less competitive is a bigger factor than the lower motivation and therefore the deals are bigger. So you add those things together and you say it's a third the cost but half the quality and maybe the deals are a little bit bigger. That's what tends to make the ROI a little yeah. bit better with So for me, you know, the biggest thing, the reason why I like Google, you know, big nerd on direct response marketing, Mm -hmm. Right, like, hey, these people want to do something. They want to take action mm -hmm. right now, mm -hmm. right? So let's talk to them. And so your argument is that, yeah, they want to talk to somebody right now, but it's not just one person. They want to talk to a lot of people 
right now? Often, yes. If right. Anybody who's listening to this who has managed PPC leads can probably attest to the point that it's, it's pretty rare yeah. that that seller is just just reached out to you and they saw that whole list of 10 different people to reach yeah. out to on Google. But on Facebook, when they show up, there's not a lot of other competitors. That's right. I mean, your ad shows to them and it doesn't show next to someone's ad. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll, you'll reach them. Your competitor could target them too, but they won't necessarily target them at the same time as you versus mm -hmm. PPC, where you're going to have four of you just showing up right there in a row, right when someone's looking. <laughs> and, you know, that encourages people to, to look around a little bit more. Uh, I love PPC too. You know, it, it's yeah. different. I, I love that direct response aspect. That's the reason that the leads are way better quality. Um, but everybody also likes that. Yeah. And because of that, it gets expensive. So I know that, you know, we kind of had an aha moment last month, right? Because we mm -hmm. sat down and we looked at all the revenue. And we should do this more often, but, you know, we actually had some technical challenges. So we were able to just sit down and break out. Mm -hmm. So for 2021, and you get, again, you say it's harder to scale. So last mm -hmm. year we did, I want to say, 150000 mm -hmm. in wholesale revenue from Facebook off of 28000 in spend. Mm -hmm. So it's a 5x ROI. Um, is that what you find consistently with your other clients or what do you typically find? In terms of like the, the ROI. ROI multiple? Yeah. Um, the really tough thing about the ROI numbers is it's incredibly dependent on what else you're doing. Mm -hmm. So let's just say theoretically you're going to be flipping things instead of wholesaling them. Bam, your ROI just doubled. Yeah. And the marketing did the exact same thing, <laughs> right, right? right? Or if you're twice as good at closing leads. Yeah. Um, or if you're better at buying, lead, buying deals deeper mm -hmm. than someone else. Um, so the, I guess my best benchmark could be on wholesale. Yeah. Um, just because the way I encourage our clients to calculate ROI if they are doing flips is to think, what would the wholesale have been on mm -hmm. this property? And then calculate the ROI based on that. Because they always have the opportunity of buying a property from another wholesaler. Right. Um, so based on that, 5x I'd say for Facebook for the kind of budget that you were using mm -hmm. um, is I'd say relatively typical. Um, we see Facebook anywhere from three to seven really commonly and fives right in the middle. Um, but if you'll remember, we also did kind of a forward looking analysis with that yeah. where we looked at how should your ROI change if you were to change your budget. We did, we saw that. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are actually, when we looked at it, you'd make more money if it wasn't a 5x. We were shooting more for a 3x mm -hmm but you would have a lot more volume. Yeah. So, so there's think, always that trade-off, like budget's a big factor there. Yeah, I think when we looked at it, after breaking down the numbers, you know, we, mm -hmm. we've been spending about 3,700 a month, and now we said, you know what, if this is what we're getting for 3,700 a month, let's go to 5,500 a month, right? Our ROIs can go from five to four, but it doesn't matter, because we're gonna be making a lot more money mm -hmm. off this channel. Yeah, exactly. So we modeled that out, right? We showed yeah. this is kind of what the ad spend is. This is the money you're paying your acquisitions managers. This is how we expect the diminishing marginal return to take effect, yeah. just based on our data from other clients of how strong we see that being. Um, and then you can kind of get at, you know, where do you maximize profits? Where do you maximize ROI? All that kind of stuff. Well, that kind of goes back to your saying, like, it's easier to scale. Google PPC is a little harder to scale Facebook PPC. Well, actually, Google scales more. Yeah. And Facebook does. And, and it's backwards because most industries, that's not true. Because mm -hmm. Google, you're limited by search volumes versus Facebook, you're theoretically only limited by the number of people in the world. So if you're looking at most industries, Facebook, because that's demand generation versus demand capture, which mm -hmm. you have on Google, you can generate unlimited demand virtually. Right. Um, but the weird thing about this industry is PPC search volumes are high enough and mm -hmm. it's competitive enough and expensive enough 
that you can spend a lot more money on it. Where on Facebook, you'd just be reaching the same people 15 times. And or you're going to show the ad over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Because Facebook's just so cheap and markets are only so big. Yeah. Um, PPC, there's a lot more volume uh, so to get there. So for people that are doing PPC right now, right? So Because mm-hmm. um, there's a good argument to be made if you're smaller and you, maybe you want to do this yourself initially, right? Because it's not cheap to get a quality uh, um, manager. Yeah. Right. So if you're learning on your own, whether you're reading Perry Marshall or you're reading some other stuff mm-hmm. on, on PPC, what is it that you commonly see when you're consulting or taking over an account that most people get wrong doing their own PPC? This is a tough question because the thing about PPC is there's a hundred things to do right. And if you do one wrong, it's all screwed up, yeah. right? So there's, you know, I can I list a bunch of things here and people will do those and that won't necessarily get them in a good spot because mm-hmm. there's just so many things you have to get right. Um, but looking in general, you know, cause we're, I mean, we work with people who have worked with other agencies before working with us, done it themselves, all that kind of stuff. What do they need to do to, to be successful? Um, number one, get the marketing right. And I know that sounds almost like a weird answer to your question, but it's because we see that a lot of people are, are screwing up on the back end when they get the leads too. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to getting the marketing right, I think the easiest way to do it is to hire a professional and actually listen to them. You'd be surprised how many people will hire a professional, but when they give them advice, they don't actually listen to it. Uh, so <laughs> listen to them. That's, that's a prerequisite, right? You, yeah. have to, you have to otherwise don't hire someone. Right. And, and a lot of those things will be taken care of. Um, but beyond that, as for what people are doing, I go in accounts all the time and we see that in this past year, Google has changed their their definitions of keywords a mm-hmm. lot. Um, so they're matching a lot of what's called search terms to keywords um, that they weren't previously. Meaning, let's just say you tell Google, you have this keyword, we buy houses. Um, Google might match a search term. A search term is what someone actually searches into the search engine mm-hmm. to that keyword. And they recently, not super recently, announced that, yeah, we're going to kind of listen to what your keywords are, but also just anything else that we think we should put into that bucket with that keyword. So yeah. maybe someone searches buy houses instead of we buy houses, and Google says, oh, the we, that's not, it, it's not that important <laughs> of a word, right? Yeah. Just, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, we'll pay 50 bucks for the click. Let's mm-hmm. do it. And you just paid 50 bucks for a click of someone who actually wants to buy a house, potentially yeah. a agent okay. lead or something like that. So I see so many accounts with just screwed up search terms where mm-hmm. they're paying for all this stuff that they don't mean to pay for and their keyword list looks fine, but their negative keyword list is far too small. Got it. Uh, so what we do, just to, to give you a little bit of insight into the process, we analyze frequently all of the search terms from all of the accounts that we manage. Mm-hmm. And, and we do this in more than 80 markets right now. And we aggregate all of that data. Anytime we see something triggering for a keyword that we know isn't good, we will exclude it from all of those accounts at the same Got time. It. So you have a master negative yes. list. And we've been doing that for three years. Yeah, so it's pretty clean. That's so pretty there's a lot of stuff. Our, our, our negative keyword list is at least 100 times longer than our yeah. keyword list. So let's explain to everyone what a negative keyword is, because I think we oh, might yeah, playing some inside baseball here. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So a negative keyword is when you tell Google that you don't want something in particular. Mm-hmm. So let's just say your keyword is we buy houses, Google says, buy houses, close enough, we'll take that. Then what you can do is you can add buy houses as a negative keyword. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we do, for example, something that anybody could do, when we launch, for example, your ads in Phoenix, we add as negative keywords every single state 
outside of Arizona. Because if someone's in Phoenix, but they're searching sell a house in Florida, you don't want that lead, right? right? We also add all the abbreviations of the state. We also add every major city that exists in the United States yep. outside of your core area. So like that's another example of where negative keywords could be relevant yeah. is, is controlling those locations. You know, I remember a long, long time ago when I was doing my own stuff, doing my own management, I still remember like I would have to go and add all the negative keywords, like even like mobile, like because we weren't doing land or mobile homes, so I had to go mm -hmm. add mobile, I had yep. to add land, mm -hmm. I had to add cars, right mm -hmm. and i don't know why like toyotas and hondas are showing up like yeah i'm not bidding on these keywords but you know like I, I do the broad match just kind of do a catch-all and then add the negative keywords to get, remove those but mm -hmm. define what other words people are using and man i had all these different makes and models that had to <laughs> yeah to it takes negatives. a really long time that's yeah. what people don't realize about that whole process is if you're going to do it yourself mm -hmm. you've got to be prepared to be in Google every day adding negative keywords yeah. for a period of many, many months until you can actually clean up your traffic. Right. And some people just aren't prepared for that when they start doing PPC. Um, so it's so it's a, it's a barrier. So just to dumb it down real quick, the difference between search terms and keywords. Mm -hmm. A search term is what someone actually typed into Google mm -hmm. that triggered your ad. Got it. A keyword is what you told Google you wanted. So search terms is what they intended when they typed it in, they went to google.com, what they intended, that's the search term. Exactly. Keyword is your, your is the list you give to Google. It's like, hey, mm -hmm. if it matches any of these, send it to me. Yes, exactly. Got it. Um, and the really weird thing about this, I mean, you'll hear people talking about long tail keywords mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. I don't think anybody realizes how different people are. Like we like to put people in boxes. We like to say this person's gonna search like this. These are the things that we wanna show up on. The, the crazy thing is over 80% of the leads that we generate for clients are leads are search terms that only got one click in the right. entire history of the account. Some yeah. weird thing that you never thought of before. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's crazy. So that's where you have to always think like over, I calculated it once 88% of the traffic in Google ads is if you're doing your keyword strategy, right? Is stuff that only has one click in the account. 88%. Yeah. It's insane, you know? Uh, it's only 12% of the stuff that's like, sell my house fast, you know, exactly like that. Or we buy ugly houses or, yeah, you I mean, know, some of the stuff that you think is, you know, the stuff you want. Well, because I know, I, I, I love this conversation because, you know, I was going to bring up, like, because uh, uh, Robert Winston was on the show and when he talked about, you know, mm -hmm. returning ad spend, and we'll get to that in a bit. But I still remember, like, there were some certain keywords, like, oh man, like, that is an awesome long tail keyword. Let's put that in quotes and brackets mm -hmm. and let's bid really high on that. Mm -hmm. And then it never, it gets clicked on again. Yeah, because it doesn't have a, yeah, it doesn't have the volume. Right. So, I mean, we could get so deep into this. If anybody really, really cares about this, reach out to me. We've got, uh, I mean, we've got a whole methodology called minimum viable volume around this. We built a software called Lever 11. That's a machine learning analytics software that, that predicts basically the likelihood of someone selling their house based on the things that they type into Google, even for things that have never been, been seen before. Um, based on intent. So there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can get so deep into this, it, it's ridiculous. Um, but the point is, you know, bringing back to what you, what we were talking about, it's it really is about, can you get the right quality traffic? But the thing is when I'm going in and I'm auditing these accounts where that's mm -hmm. the problem, you know, we could talk all about like the campaign structures. We could talk about the bid strategies, about if the ads, if the landing page is good, but none of that even matters if your search terms aren't good. Yeah. So it's like, 
I'm usually just like, oh, I'm sorry, but this this is junk, and therefore nothing else matters. Fix this, right. and then we should talk about the other stuff that you can do. Um, so that's like probably like the the most avoidable one that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. um, but there's all kinds of yeah. So things. that's the one you see typically. The search terms are not excellent, and maybe they're not listening to their consultant that they paid a good amount of money for. Maybe. What else are you seeing as a big big mistake? Um, this one's almost a little bit unfair because. Mm -hmm. You can't exactly do this yourself, <laughs> but right. but the the tough thing is you need a lot of data in in Google Ads. So I see a few things happening. One, people just putting random bids for their keywords because they don't know what they should be, or even worse, just bidding whatever you have to. Just <laughs> what 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 are these going for? Yeah. yeah, I'll just pay that. Right. As if that's like a strategy, right? <laughs> like what's, what someone else is willing to pay has nothing to do with what it's worth, is my experience. It's uh, it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal. Um, so, so I think you, I think a strong strategy behind the bidding mm -hmm. is is really important. Um, something that has changed since we last talked. Actually, we last talked in February of 2021. Okay. Um, Google in February of 2021 released something called cross-account portfolio level bid strategies. And I know it sounds like a whole sounds bunch really of fancy. mumbo jumbo, but yeah. the, the point is these, these bid strategies are the, the single most effective thing that we've been using in accounts recently. Mm -hmm. um, basically what this does, so to give you some context of the landscape of PPC and what you were stuck doing before, um, you had manual strategies, which I'm sure you're very familiar with because mm -hmm. that was kind of like your age of Google. Yeah, you know? when I'm dating myself, yeah. Yeah. So, that's like you say. I want to pay for this keyword, and I want to pay up to this much. Mm -hmm. And if you get the, you know, if you win the bid, you win the bid. Um, there's also automated bid strategies. Right. The way an automated strategy works is you tell Google what you want. They're like the valet service. Like here's my keys. Yes. Go ahead and run this campaign you think is best for me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So there's different ones. Like popular ones would be like maximize clicks, where you just tell Google, here's my keyword. Here's my keywords. Just give me as many clicks as you can. Mm -hmm. Or you say maximize conversions. I want as many leads as I can, mm -hmm. given this budget and given these keywords. Um, the, the thing about those bid strategies, if you talk to people that spend a lot of money in Google Ads, because I came kind of from that side of the world. Right? Yeah. I, I worked with companies before I focused on real estate, spending literally millions of dollars a month in Google Ads. Um, you talk to anybody in that range, they don't touch manual strategies. Right. And the reason is the automated strategies work really, really well. The yeah. problem is, if you just start up a Google Ads account and you turn on a maximize conversions bid strategy, you are going to be appalled that you just paid $400 for that click because the algorithm's learning. And the sad part that they don't tell you is with the amount of data that you get in this industry every month, the algorithm's going to be learning for like two years. Got it. <laughs> it's not going to really get there. Now, of course, you'll be better off in month two than you were in month one, et cetera. But this goes back to what you're saying, the cross ad. Cross account. So, yeah. so how this works is we have an account with Google. Mm -hmm. It's called a parent account. Um, and it has child accounts. Right. Those child accounts belong to our clients, but they utilize bid strategies that are held on the parent account level. So all of our clients pool their data into this bid strategy and essentially can feed the machine learning about the different likelihood of conversion for, for these different keywords and, and stuff like that where, where you need to be bidding. And then the algorithm gets extremely smart. Got it. And those strategies have been beating anything else we can do. Because they have, they have more data to feed the beast. Yes, the algorithm's always going to be better at bidding than even the best manual bidder. So if it has enough data, that's the qualifier. But manual still exists. 
Yeah, and, and we actually do have manual working better in yeah. some markets. It, it's so rare though. I'm asking this question because like one of the best things I did, right? Because I'm going to ask you a question about like if you're new. One mm -hmm. of the things that worked really well for me mm -hmm. was I was bidding on the keyword, we buy ugly houses, mm -hmm. right? And I was paying up to $10, mm -hmm. right? And for me, I didn't care if someone clicked on that day, that day or not. All I wanted was that mm -hmm. one moment yeah. where everyone's ads were spent for the day. <laughs> And then my ten dollar would show up, right? Yeah, it wasn't a lot, but for three hundred bucks a month, I was getting a decent amount of leads. Yeah, right. Because I, I was converting. I don't know what your conversion is right now, but when I was doing myself, it was I was converting about I want to say one in six people mm -hmm. that landed on a site gave me their information. That's good, right? Yeah. So for ten dollars, I was spending about sixty dollars per lead. So mm -hmm. that's something that I did back in the day when I was budget limited. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, Google's gotten a little smarter, unfortunately. <laughs> um, they, you know, apparently they just want revenue to increase. There's some pressure course, from certain stakeholders or something like yeah. that. You know, profits, weird company stuff. Profits over everything, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so anyways, they're, they're a little bit smarter than that. Um, there used to be almost like two methods that you could bid with. You could have accelerated mm -hmm. um, or standard bidding. And, and accelerated worked as, you know, you just spend your budget as, as the opportunities come. Standard spread it out a little bit more. And Google used to be cheap at night yeah. when people's <laughs> daily budgets ran out. And then Google looked at that and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so now what happens is people's budgets are spread out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Let's just say your bids were at a point that you were going to run out of budget halfway through the day. Mm-hmm. What happens instead is that you just get entered into every other auction instead of every auction. So there really isn't like a cheaper time of, of oh, day on that's Google. That's unfortunate. Um, there are a fair number of, invest of investors that only run their ads during business hours. Mm -hmm. So it does tend to be a little bit cheaper in the times when other people don't want to be managing leads. Right. Um, so there's there's a little bit of truth right, to like, that, but it's not because of it, the auction. Because it, it makes sense if you're running an operation without VAs to take calls at all hours of the day to not be bidding at two o'clock in the morning. Because yes. for me, I used to, again, back back in the day, like I always had my ads turn off at 10.30 at night and then turn back on at 8 a.m. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, right now, you're probably familiar with this, and this might actually be helpful for your business, I don't know, but uh, a lot of providers are stopping texting. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. and so, you know, TCPA, whatever, and this is not like it's new, it's just people are finally like saying, hey, let's not do this anymore. Yeah, right. yeah. Because I, I remember last time I was on this podcast almost a year ago. Yeah. I got, I, I talked to at least 50 people that reached out to me from that podcast. They were like, texting is going to go away. I need to fix this. And then it just didn't. What was it? There was supposed to be something that happened in June or something. It was supposed to be January, right? The whole, oh, was the, it January? It was supposed to yeah. change, but it didn't. But anyway. So it's just overdue. But so yeah. then come December, some major providers have said, hey, guys, um, if you don't want to keep texting, go somewhere else. Right? Mm -hmm. So... I've gotten messages, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and so on, like, hey, what should I do now? And I've been advising them, so I could be totally wrong here. I say, hey, you can do PPC, because I can't direct them to TV, right? That's too expensive. Yeah. I can't direct them to direct mail, because direct mail, you gotta be ready to spend for six months. If you're not ready to spend for six months, it's kind of a huge commitment, especially talking about the list providers. Like, the list providers are not mm. a low barrier to entry, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then there's cold calling, and it's PPC. Mm -hmm. So I've been directing PPC. Am I giving them bad advice? So this is for a newer investor. Not a newer investor, someone that's like, hey, texting's been my main source of business and that is gone. Yeah, this is a, 
This is a hard one because we've worked with a lot of people like that. Um, here's what I can tell you. Texting is cheap. Mm -hmm. It's cheaper than PPC. Uh, right. But if texting is if now it goes away. out. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's a few things. One, I mean, cold call is going to be an easier transition from texting than mm -hmm. a lot of other channels because you're used to skip tracing, getting the data. You're used to those low quality prospecting type leads mm -hmm. and your acquisitions process might be built for those. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I would look towards. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something about being in a marketing channel where you're doing something that people don't really want you to be doing that's mm -hmm. not very comforting. That's the reason texting is going away, right? right? And cold call is not necessarily immune to that, right? I, it's I not, think, but people uh, are tolerating it. Yeah, people are tolerating it more than they did texting. But yeah. th my point with that being, I, when selecting marketing channels, would look beyond next month. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of hard, but I would look far into the future. Um, and when you're looking far into the future, digital channels are growing. That's the trend. Right. Um, cold call, texting, telemarketing is dying. Mm -hmm. That's the trend. Uh, so there's theoretically a lot of value there. But to switch from a texting-driven company to a digital marketing-driven company is a lot more than just taking some money and putting it into a different channel. Right. So taking 1500 bucks from texting, which mm -hmm. when you were doing before when you're running like a solopreneur or a small operation, yeah. take 1500 from texting, you know, pulling a list, skip tracing it, mm -hmm. and text blasting it. Taking that and just dumping in the PPC, you're saying is not necessarily mm -hmm. a, 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 the, the wise thing to do. Yeah, I don't think it's a plan for success. Okay. Um, so you need to, if you're gonna do digital marketing, you have to prepare your business operation for digital marketing. I can tell you the, the operations that you would have from texting are gonna be way different. You're gonna be way heavier on staff and you're going to be, it's almost like the, with texting, you start with the leads, mm -hmm. right? And your whole job is to sift through those and find the good ones. Right. And you assume that every lead is crap until you can prove that it's not. <laughs> Digital marketing is just, it's different. Right. You have to train your team differently. You have to assume that a lead is motivated until you can absolutely prove that that lead isn't. You have to go on every appointment. You have to be quick. Like, I mean, we could talk about all the stuff, but you need to retrain your team on that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and the other thing is, for most people, I wouldn't recommend PPC specifically in that scenario. I'd say Facebook is the channel to look to okay. if your budget is small. And to give you an idea of like what I consider a small budget, the minimum budget we work with as a company is like $3,000 a month, all in. By the time mm -hmm. they pay for our fees, by the time they pay for ad spend, all that kind of stuff. Um, and at that budget range, I wouldn't really recommend PPC. I think PPC often needs a little bit more budget. The only exception there being someone who does um, some type of wide form of advertising geographically. Like if you're doing it like on a nationwide basis or in several states or something like that, which yeah. can be a good strategy. That's where PPC is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more forgiving. But the tough thing with a small budget on PPC is you get a small number of leads. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, I mean, the returns there. If you look over a really long time period, people don't tend to do that though. Right. And it's just like you said with mail, it's the same thing with digital. You've got to give it that six So you're of the up. belief that if you're going to go into digital, like strap on, this is going to be a ride. This is not a, like an instant, uh, it's not instant noodle. This is not microwave success. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing about it is I am, I'm a very conservative person, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to probably talk to a lot of people who will tell you, oh, it's super easy. You just turn it on and I got all these deals. Right. 
and you know that does happen sometimes mm-hmm. but to have that as your strategy is to put the success of your business in the hands of luck right. basically because things don't always work right away uh, i prefer to use a repeatable process that consistently produces success so if you look at I'm like some people will have success in a short time period but if you look at the percentage of people that will be successful in a longer time period basically the longer the time period the more likely it is yeah and i would rather bet on something that's more sure and be more into it than i would kind of dabble and pull out if it doesn't Got work it. right away and guys this is a very technical topic so please ask your questions do not mm-hmm. be shy to ask so mm-hmm. uh coriel lincoln on youtube is digital marketing an expensive avenue more so than texting and cold calling i could tell you if you look at a bunch of companies and you look at cost per deal most often digital marketing is a higher cost per deal mm-hmm. um, and that's how a lot of people consider expense but that doesn't take into account all the factors there is a silent cost to any sure. marketing channel in the focus that it takes from you as an entrepreneur from your management team um, in the resources that it takes from a lead management perspective from an acquisitions perspective um, in the time that it takes for the money to turn around yeah in the size of the deals that you get so that's the thing is digital marketing is going to be better on all of those things i mentioned so except margin, for the cost per deal margin cash conversion cycle mm-hmm. uh the managing the the people yeah you, you'd be surprised how many people i talk to mm-hmm. that are just stuck with cold call and they have success and their cost per deal is low but they can't scale their company because it's difficult to scale cold calling you, you think you have it figured out and then someone quits and you can't seem to train people more at scale and then of course you have that hypothetical cold call manager position that exists in the mm-hmm. company that unless you're going to hire someone for that you're going to be doing that and by the time you hire someone qualified for that the cost per deal is not going to look as good the thing is I, I feel like cold call is a really good return on your money and that's why it's a high roi channel mm-hmm. it's not as good of a return on your time right i think of digital marketing as a way to make your money work for you stack incremental success incremental mm-hmm. deal flow and incremental profits on top of whatever you're doing for those channels yeah but it's not going to be as cheap on a per deal basis you get bigger deals i mean i have clients that have a single acquisitions person that does 100 deals a year wow when they rely on inbound marketing got it outbound you're never going to accomplish that it's impossible no. right yeah. so they're going to burn out way, way before then yeah so the point there being there there is way way more to a marketing <clears throat> channel than the raw cost of you know your data and your ads and all that kind of stuff versus the amount of money you get in so if you're haven't done ppc before and you're transitioning don't jump into google ppc if you're just transitioning from texting and you've been, if you're spending two two three thousand a month don't just dump it into ppc so whoever g- i give that advice was really poor advice <laughs> uh, well i'm not saying you were wrong with that i'm just saying it's more than just taking money from one place and just yeah. spending it somewhere else there's gonna be a lot of other things you're gonna have to overhaul i would invest because we talked before about and we didn't even finish that part but I, i talked about the two things that you need to do to be successful mm-hmm. it's basically th- those are going to be true for for someone doing this number one you're going to need to get the marketing right um, i honestly don't recommend dabbling in ppc it'll steal your money yeah you need to google hire. finds a way of maximizing your expenses yeah i talked to someone the other day that spent like 30 grand in three days on accident and then they were like <laughs> oh shoot ppc doesn't work 
<laughs> uh, it's now, of course, your, your story could be less tough than that. But like the, the thing about hiring an expert is mm. sometimes people look at it and they're like, it's not cheap. It, that's the reality of it. But you know what's more expensive? Marketing that doesn't work. Yeah. So hire a professional, get it done right. And then number two, get acquisitions done right. And to, to I know we kind of like danced around it a mm. little bit, but just to provide like the, the full insight of what we're seeing there. So we, we are doing this in more than 80 markets. Um, we have our clients report to us how many leads they're closing. Um, and we, of course, know what keywords they came from and audiences on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, and pretty much everybody I work with thinks they have the best acquisitions team that mm -hmm. has ever existed. And to be fair, if you're going to have the best acquisitions team that ever existed, you have to think that way, right? right. So, so I don't blame them, right? I think yeah. that's great. Um, but bringing it back to reality a little bit, some of them statistically do significantly better than others right. and just having a good acquisitions team doesn't mean you have an acquisitions team that is good at digital marketing so there's three things that we find our clients that are doing exceptionally well have in common number one is urgency um, when a lead comes in you'll remember this when you had Cody here yeah. last time, how, mm -hmm. how much he harped on this. Urgency is so key. Like if you go, go to his office, his acquisitions people literally, they don't even put their phone in their pocket. They have it on a holster. It's like a quick draw <laughs> when a lead comes in because they are so fast and, and they want to be at the other guys. Because right. if it's a digital lead, they know it's more likely to be a deal than yeah. some other lead and it's more likely to be a big, a big commission. But urgency is really, really important. Um, and the crazy thing about this is I, I talk to people sometimes, they're like, oh, yeah, I get to the lead super quick, like always within an hour. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, yeah, like, like four years ago, sure, that, that mm -hmm. would have worked. But the, the thing about urgency on PPC is that you have to assume that other people have the same lead. Right. So just, just picture it like this. Maybe someone's going through the PPC results, they reached out to someone else. Mm -hmm. Now, 60 seconds later, they reach out to you. Yeah. For you to call that person before they call that person, if they're going to call that person in two minutes, you have to call them in one minute because right. you already have a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be someone else who they reach out to after you. Yeah. Unless you can call them before they can do that. Right. The point is urgency gets rid of competition. It's not about the patience of the seller. It's not like they're just going to be upset that they had to wait five minutes to get a phone call. It's that their you phone's going to be buzzing in their tracks. pocket while they're signing a contract with your competitor. Yeah. I just talked to a client the, the other day that said they got this lead and they, they called the seller right away. And the seller said, I don't have time for an appointment today, can you come tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow comes around, they go there, they say, I'm sorry, I sold the house. So it's not just on the leads, yeah. it's on the appointments too. Right. There's, there's a lot of urgency to that. Um, so I think urgency overall, extremely important. Sure. The second thing, assuming motivation. If we look at our clients that are, like just the mindset of the teams, of those that are doing really well with lead conversion versus not as well. Um, we consistently do have teams that were heavy on cold call, heavy on text, struggle with the idea of assuming that a lead is motivated until you can prove that it's not. Right, well they've been programmed and trained mm -hmm. to like really disqualify mm -hmm. or really qualify and make sure this guy's a real, not mm -hmm. a tire kicker. Yeah, assuming motivation mm -hmm. in cold call is a recipe to put yourself out of business because you're going to have a thousand appointments mm -hmm. and you're going to close two of them. Yeah, heartbreak and stress. And it's, it's really hard. Yeah. In digital marketing, this is a whole different game. Um, to tell you a story, we worked with a client recently. They were doing Facebook ads. 
they, we spent a lot of money with them, probably 40 grand over four months. Mm -hmm. And they had zero deals. And I asked them what's going on because I saw tons of leads. And they said, the leads aren't qualified. So we dug into what exactly are your qualification criteria. The only thing that we changed is we told them when a lead comes in, we want you to set an appointment if it's someone who has a house to sell. Yeah. Don't worry. We just did a 30-day challenge at mm -hmm. first. We're like, just, I know you're afraid of wasting time. Mm -hmm. Just do it for 30 days and let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, turns out their appointment, after they started doing that, their appointment to deal ratio was between 20 and 25%. Yeah. Not, not horrible. And they did 17 deals over the next four months as opposed to zero wow. in the four months prior. It was yeah. like a night and day difference. And all they had to do was just assume that every lead was smoking hot until they yeah. could prove that just it wasn't. Go. Just go. Just go on the appointment yeah. and make it quick. Um, so, so that's the other thing. It's, it's just, it's just a, a mindset thing. You know, you, you just have to treat the leads a little differently. Yeah. The last thing is problem solving immediately. We find, like the, I guess the tactical part of this is we find that our clients that have leads going to a lead manager mm -hmm. don't close nearly as many leads as those that have it going to an acquisitions manager. And what I think this comes down to is just, just put yourself in a seller's head and just say you're searching on Google. You have a problem right now. Yeah. Right? You're motivated enough to go to Google. You're searching for a way to solve your problem. You find the company that you might want to work with. You reach out to them. And what ends up happening is instead of solving your problem, they set an appointment to solve your problem later. Mm -hmm. In your mindset, you search until your problem is solved. Right. You so got pain. You want mm -hmm. to solve the pain. You don't want an appointment to solve the pain. Exactly. So yeah. you're going to keep on going through the Google search results. You're going to reach out to other people. Our clients that are good at getting that person on the phone and mm -hmm. making them feel like no matter what happens, they are the person that they're going to work with. They're going to connect them somehow. And making this other feel like, you know, my problem's not solved, but I know that Steve's got my back and we're going to work this out. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they have to go to the rest of Google. So it's the assurance component, mm -hmm. which, you know, uh, so my daughter's sick, right? Mm -hmm. And yesterday, um, I'm looking through, you know, I'm going through, I got a concierge medical service who can't see her for four days. Like, okay, this doesn't feel like concierge. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling uh, uh, Mesa Pediatrics is who we go. And mm -hmm. like, well, we can't see her till 345. And I look a couple other options. Okay, well, 345 is that's the earliest one. So that's the one, you know, I'll go. But it wasn't until I got someone on the phone that I knew I could see a doctor today that I stopped searching. So I kept mm -hmm. searching until I found someone to say, okay, this is someone that can see my daughter today so that she can sleep through the night so that we can sleep through the night. Yeah, because you had a problem. It was right. important to you. And I mean, I don't think that these medical companies are quite as aggressive in sales as, as some real estate <laughs> investors for a fair reason. Yeah. But just imagine they are for a second. You know the story that those other people are going to tell themselves. The lead ghosted me. Mm -hmm. I guess they weren't that motivated. Right. Yeah. A lot of those people that ghost you, you just didn't impress them, right? Yeah. And you weren't there to solve their problem quick enough when it comes to these kinds of leads because they're working with a lot of people. Right. Um, Cody, who was here last year, we, we didn't exercise with them once where he looked through all of their digital marketing leads and how many of those ended up being deals for someone else. It's extremely humbling yeah. when you do that kind of exercise. And you realize that person who I marked as not that motivated was a really good deal for my competitor. Yeah. <laughs> or that person <laughs> that just never answered their phone, they just came out of my competitor's list yesterday. How did that happen? Right. It's 
PPC, probably of any channel, has the greatest number of leads that actually end up turning into deals for someone. The clients that we work with that do exceptionally well are good at making sure that that's them. Yeah. And one thing I liked, you know, because um, this, you know, for you guys that have teams is I see this happen a lot where the inbound leads is like a, a round robin. Mm-hmm. And I think there's no nothing more damaging to your business <laughs> than to treat these leads as round robins. I don't have to get to it quick. It, <laughs> it'll be there in an hour, right? I'll be there in an hour. Like, hey, this yeah. is my lead, so I'll get to it to whenever. Yeah. Versus like, oh, the phone's ringing. I have to answer this phone right now. It's a different experience for the seller, mm-hmm. but as a business owner, you have to get your team's behavior <laughs> to act as if this needs to happen with high urgency. If you have this thing mm-hmm. where like, oh yeah, you just get to it whenever you get to it. Yeah, and Who knows when they'll get to it? And that is an incredible method to, like a tactical way to increase speed. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we see is a big differentiator between our clients that are doing well with speed and those that aren't, is just measuring it. Mm-hmm. If, if you measure, I know like you use left main, for example. Yeah. With left main and with many CRMs, you can measure the time between when a lead comes in and when that first call happens. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, if you just start holding your team accountable to it and you say, last week, our average time between when a lead came in and when we contacted it was three minutes or two minutes or 60 seconds, mm-hmm. it turns out that number just gets better. All right. It's crazy how that happens. But the, the thing is, I realize a lot of the way that our clients are measuring it is they ask their team, they're like, you're getting to those leads quick, right? And they say, yeah. Of course but then when we actually look in the CRM, it's not true. Right. So the, the point with that being, I think, uh, like as for tactics for getting quick to your leads quickly, I agree. I think the free for all is better than the round robin. Mm-hmm. And I think holding your team accountable to an actual measured metric for how well they're doing on that, that is something that all of our clients that are the absolute best performers are doing. Yeah. Well, I guess it's really fortunate that we have um, a crazy person like Cody Hoffine for you to kind of like test on. Yeah, he, he's a little bit crazier than, than, than most. And, and he takes this to levels like, I mean, you remember last year when we were talking about this, like they will drive by their house. Yeah. You know, they've even changed the process now to where not only will they drive by their house, they will drive by the house until they get the person, like up, like five drive-bys. <laughs> five call attempts, five drive-bys. I love it. That's fantastic. It, they, and they do really, they, they pick up a lot of extra contracts yeah. with that. Um, but it's, that is extreme. <laughs> it's, it's not all of our clients do that, but I can tell you that the crazy thing um, about Cody is he gets a really good ROI on his PPC and yeah. a lot of volume. And part of that is they just, they just close leads like at a better rate than almost any of our other clients. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. So you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier uh, nationwide. Mm-hmm. So are you managing nationwide for people? We are, yeah. Okay, so what is your opinion? Because there seems to be kind of this um, evolution. Because Nick Perry, I think, kind of let mm-hmm. spearheaded this uh, um, uh, model, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was doing multiple six figures every single month because he was doing it nationally, mm-hmm. right? And then now it seems like multiple people are going nationwide. Mm-hmm. So what? Obviously, you're, you're helping people doing it. First, can you explain what it is to do nationwide PPC, and then be what you're, what you've learned from doing it? Yeah, this is a, this is a fun topic, and you'll find a lot of people have very strong opinions yes, about this topic. I have noticed this in a lot of ways. So I'm hoping I can just kind of condense all the information into mm-hmm. something that's actual, pra- actually practical and mm-hmm. makes sense. So I was asking you what your thoughts were versus picking a side. <laughs> yes, um, 
I mean, I think the, the important distinction with the nationwide model is that's a different business. It's not a marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. So that's where I see a lot of people going wrong with it is they're like, oh yeah, that works. Let me just bolt on these leads into my existing business mm -hmm. and it flops. Right, so, so this isn't just add on to the business. Let's just go ahead and turn this thing on Yeah. and then we're gonna scale and crush it. You're starting a new business. Okay. Think of it like that. And with starting a new business, you expect to have a ramp up, you expect to run into challenges. Mm -hmm. um, the theory behind this is that if you advertise across wider areas, you get cheaper leads. And it's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that trend on both right. Facebook you can hit and mid markets and uh, medium sized markets is not as competitive, like mm -hmm. markets that aren't Phoenix or Houston or Salt yeah. Lake City. And here's the other thing that a lot of people don't get about it. A, a lot of people think that the game is that you're going for smaller markets. Mm. That is a small piece of it. Yes, that matters. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, it's not that you're just going wide so that you can find the small markets. It's that when you cover all the markets, the leads are cheaper in those markets collectively than they would be in any one of those markets individually. So the game is you could take 100 counties that each would have a $300 cost per lead on PPC if you were to market in them. And if you advertise across all of them, you might get those leads for 100 bucks instead of 300. How is that possible? It's possible because digital marketing is really good at finding the low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Maybe comparing it to something that you did that isn't really viable anymore. When you talked about how you put that really low bid and you mm -hmm. just got a few of those clicks at the end of the day right. and you spent 300 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Imagine if instead of doing that, you spent $10,000 a month, but you did that by having it in a whole bunch of different markets. Right. You'd be getting a better ROI than anybody in a single market, but you'd also do it at scale. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the name of the game. Or if we're looking at, for example, that, that spreadsheet that we made you, looking at your Facebook ads data, yeah. you remember as you start to go to the really low budget range, mm -hmm. what happened to the ROI? Oh, it was, it was better. super high. Yeah, better. we got really high. If you think about it, targeting your area plus all those other ones is kind of the equivalent of just having a really small budget in this area which means you're taking the absolute best opportunities. Um, so digital marketing is really good at that. And because of that, you get cheaper leads if you're willing to be less picky about where they come from than otherwise. Um, the, where people go wrong with this model, because to be transparent with you, I've had clients that have failed in this model. Mm -hmm. um, it's if they don't align their marketing and their acquisitions and their dispositions. So. For example, I have this client that starts out, they were so excited week two when they were on track to have 20 contracts their first month. And they did get 20 contracts that month. Guess how many they closed? One or two? Zero. Sounds like our experience initially in Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, and the thing was, they didn't, they didn't have the dispositions figured out. Yeah. You can get contracts all day long at 50% of, of market value mm -hmm. if you want to. But if you don't know how to find someone to buy that, and if you just dump on your already busy dispo person 20 new contracts in places they never heard of, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not gonna, it's not gonna work. Right. Um, so the, the point is, your marketing has to align with places where you can actually acquire properties, which has to align with places where you can actually disposition properties. Mm -hmm. If you market to a place where you can't move a contract, if you got it, you will fail. So what we would recommend is that you figure out what that is. We do have clients that'll just target 48 states and just get 
tons of leads. Mm -hmm. And you know what, it can work, but they invest a lot of time and money into their dispositions process. Yeah. And we have some that'll target, for example, the top 1,000 counties mm -hmm. in the United States. Acquisitions just got a little bit harder for them. Marketing cost per deal a little bit higher. Dispositions a little bit easier. Yeah. We have clients that'll target the top 50 counties in the United States. Acquisitions got harder. Dispositions got easier. Yeah. So you have to kind of pick your poison, but you have to have a solid disposition strategy and make sure that you're not targeting the wrong areas. And I think a lot of our clients are finding success kind of somewhere in between there, because if you get a lot of leads in Padunk towns, it's kind of hard to. So let me know. ask you this, because you have multiple clients that are nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, you know, initially, uh, one of the people I saw InvestorLift partner with was Nick Perry, because this guy is the poster child for mm -hmm. nationwide PPC, mm -hmm. right? So the clients that you have that are having success doing nationwide PPC, mm -hmm. is InvestorLift part of their disposition process or is that something or they have their own proprietary, like what do they do there? I don't know that we have any clients that aren't using InvestorLift. That aren't? Aren't, yeah. Got it. InvestorLift is a huge staple for people doing nationwide. Got it. Um, we, I guess we, we did have one client once that just JV'd, mm -hmm. <laughs> like they were well connected yeah. and they were just JV with someone and they just knew someone in every market. Um, I mean, you, you can do that, but of course you're leaving some meat on the bone compared right. to dispositioning them yourself and then they move to investor lift. So I think if you're going to do a nationwide model, um, you know, glowing testimonial for investor lift, it's, yeah. it's a, a lot of people are using it and they're having good success with it. It's not perfect. You won't find buyers in every little place. Right. Um, and it's not necessarily easy to find those buyers. You know, a lot of our clients are having to cold call through the buyers list. Still have to work it. Stuff like that. You got to work it. Um, but it's probably the most viable option, especially if you're looking quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you could build your own buyers list in 50 states, but how long would that take? I don't know. I know that Nick initially did invest in that. Yeah. Uh, Which is great. You know, it's a model. It works, yeah. but that's, that's extremely difficult. Uh, so was there any other thoughts on, on nationwide PPC or um, those are the, like, those are the pros and cons? I think, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Stephen Caller on Facebook wants to know if you want to scale, would you commit 20 K a month to a new operation for marketing and, and how would you break it down? If you wanted to scale, would you commit? I, I don't understand the question. Um, uh, to commit to a new operation for marketing, how would you break it down? So I guess, yeah. So if you're in one market right now, right, mm -hmm. and you want to scale your business uh, to a new operation, would you commit? Uh, how would you How would you commit 20K? How oh, would how would you break it down into channels and yeah. stuff like that? Okay, good, good question. And this is a good opportunity to kind of introduce the three channels. We kind of dabbled around mm -hmm. it a little bit. Sure. Um, Pay-per-click, which we talked a good amount about, um, if you're in one market and you have 20 grand, I can guarantee you a big piece of that's going to be pay-per-click. And the reason is you're probably not going to spend 20 grand on Facebook ads yeah. and SEO. Um, right. So especially when you're dealing with budgets more in that range, pay-per-click is a staple. People mm -hmm. tend to love it in that range. Um, so pay-per-click would be a piece of the strategy. Facebook ads would be a piece of the strategy. Um, and SEO would be a piece of the strategy. And I know we haven't talked about SEO, mm -hmm. um, so, so maybe I can just share like why probably the single channel that I'm most excited about right now is SEO. Okay. And the, the reason for that being, if you look at all these marketing channels, SEO is the only marketing channel that I know of that's an actual asset. Yeah. The other ones, you spend money, you get leads. Pay to play. Yeah. SEO is an asset. And, and that's, I mean, you know, from having this podcast, for example, that's an asset, it could pay good dividends to, right. to have that kind of traction online. Sure. So 
the thing with SEO is it does take longer. It takes time to build. But when you have that ranking, you can do kind of with SEO what a lot of people do with real estate, owning assets, generating cash flow from those assets. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a ranking in Google, it's hard to get, very hard to get. Yeah. Um, it's much easier to maintain, especially if you did it in the right way. If you're doing weird black hat stuff that Google's algorithms is gonna update and then they're gonna ban you, yeah, it, you're gonna lose it, right? But if yeah. you're doing it the right way, you're going to maintain your rankings fairly well, much easier. And what that means is you essentially own that real estate on the search engine results page. Um, what that means is when people search, instead of having to pay for those clicks, mm -hmm. you earn those clicks. Yeah. And each time someone clicks, if many people want to click, you don't pay for that. So if we're looking over the long term, like our clients that have been with us for many years, they are doing really, really well with SEO. It is often the highest ROI channel in their entire business. So let me ask you that, because we do have some people that is a, is a paper lead model, right? Mm -hmm. like we have service providers and they sell us leads that mm -hmm. were supposedly SEO. And when we talk to those people, it doesn't seem like they are the most excited. There seems to be a lot of tire kickers. So let me ask you, if I'm number one for like, sell my house Phoenix, just crazy idea, right? But if that was my, if I was mm -hmm. ranking number one Google for that, can you share with me, like based off your experience, the quality of that lead on SEO? 10 or 15 leads to a deal. 10 or 15. So it's still not yeah. like, this is gonna be like a, a home run. You still gotta, you still got to work them. Yeah. But if you look at all marketing channels, mm -hmm. I don't know of a marketing channel that has a, few, a smaller number of leads to a deal, maybe in isolated areas. And yeah. just like that, we have clients that take four leads to a deal. Right. So what are you finding uh, leads to a deal for uh, Google PPC? 10 or 15. It's a similar lead to SEO. Yeah. It's just you pay to be on top instead of earning. Got it. Your way so you don't have more credibility necessarily. SEO. It's just in the long run cheaper per lead. It is cheaper. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason I'm specifically excited about this mm -hmm. is if you look at trends. So, so we have, uh, of course, our gigantic database of what people actually search on Google and how that's changing over time. The interesting thing is looking at that since 2018, the, our top keywords are getting close to three times the amount of searches now versus what they were getting in 2018. Mm -hmm. If we look from 2004, as early as Google will give us data, you can see that there's an exponential trend in the growth of those terms. And the reason that's really exciting is it shows that SEO isn't just a cash flow asset. It's not like you just go there and you're going to get a certain number of leads and that's good, but it's actually an appreciation asset yeah. because if next year twice as many people are searching that term, then you're going to get twice as many leads, right. but you're not going to pay anymore. Right. And if you're like, in my mind, SEO is the ultimate long-term play. And what do you recommend for someone to spend for SEO? So let's just say we break down that 20. Mm -hmm. um, SEO, I mean, you want to see where your site's at, what your timeline looks like. And by the way, if anybody wants to look at these things, um, you're free to talk to our director of SEO. Um, Noah and, and he can kind of look at your website and where you're at because uh, that's the huge piece of context that's important for all of this. Um, but I can tell you we, we really commonly have clients spending anywhere from twelve fifty a month up to five grand mm -hmm. on SEO. And that's kind of the, the range that a lot of them come in. Um, the more you spend, the more you accomplish and the faster it happens. Right. 
but slow and steady is pretty efficient. Gotcha. So I don't think there's a wrong budget, but if I'm looking at a 20 grand budget, I'm thinking maybe I'm putting 3,500 towards SEO um, in that long-term bucket. Now the context of the business is important. If that's gonna put me out of business and I'm not even gonna be there to reap the reward by the time I rank in Google, yeah. don't do it, right? SEO right. is not necessarily the best investment. Like you can tell me you have this amazing investment right now for me and it's gonna cost $10 million. And you know, if I don't have $10 million, it doesn't matter, right? right? You have to have the money to see SEO through. But it's, uh, if you can afford to do that, I, I would put money in SEO before buying a rental, hands down. So I'd put something like that there. You're going to have some type of management cost. Um, and then with that kind of budget, you know, it depends on the size of the market, mm -hmm. but you're most likely going to put um, a smaller portion towards Facebook ads of the remaining and a larger portion towards PPC. Got it. And then uh, Leo on Facebook wants to know, what do you recommend on ad spend per month on Facebook? So uh, mm -hmm. Leo, I think he's in Houston. So what would you? Hmm. Yeah, Houston's, uh, Houston's big enough that you, you have a, uh, you have capability to spend more, but it, it is a myth that you need to spend more because it's a bigger market. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have any problem with a small budget in a big market. You just have to have small budget expectations along right. with it, but it could be really efficient because you don't have much of a diminishing return. Um, in terms of ad spend, anywhere from, I'd say, like our starting ad spend would be around 1750. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Um, I'd say, in a market like Houston, it seems like people will want to spend somewhere between two and six thousand generally with that kind of size market. Um, it, we're, we're just guessing here, right? So there are ways to actually measure this and learn how this works for you, kind of like what we did for you. But we did nine months of Facebook ads before we could really do that kind of analysis. Right. right. So let me ask you this: kind of put you in the spot here, right? You can mean somebody's crosshairs after this conversation. Um, All right. So you get to service, you said 80 different markets. Mm -hmm. So if you were to just identify like the top three or five markets that are like most competitive, what would you, how, where would you put it at? Cause there's always this like chests, um, pounding and so on in, in, in our industry. Oh, like my market's the most competitive. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. people's like, oh, you understand like my market's really tough. Like all markets are tough. So, yeah. So what were you look at, you know, top three, top five, like most competitive markets? The interesting thing about this is more competitive markets by my standpoint would be markets that we're tending to see higher cost leads in because mm -hmm. we have a lot more data about that than we do about deals. Right. We measure the data to deals, but also there's all kinds of factors that are introduced there that we aren't really aware of. Like yeah. is a one market more competitive just because our client there is worse at sales? Not well, really. Well, you should be able to average it out. <laughs> yeah, and we can average it out, but yeah. the point is it's uh, like, we would do that based on lead cost mm -hmm. primarily um, as like probably the, the thing that we have the most data about to be able to say that yeah. um, hardest markets are probably um, Utah, Tampa, LA. Uh, trying to think if there's any other ones that have been like especially crazy yeah. in my experience. Um, Miami is a pretty crazy one too. Interesting. So these are worse as far as the Google PPC cost per lead uh, than Phoenix and Houston. Phoenix has been not super expensive on a cost per lead basis for us. Okay. But the weird thing about Phoenix is on average, our clients have lower lead conversion. Yeah. And you know, you look and you say it's the same keyword. 
several clients have lower lead conversions. So mm -hmm. I don't, and, and I think that they're good at sales, you know, so yeah. it's like, I don't necessarily think that all of our clients in Phoenix are just worse at sales. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe your team, I, I don't know <laughs> if you guys know anything about closing yeah. deals with sellers or anything like that. No thing or two. I'm but, surprised to hear Tampa on that list. Tampa's, Tampa's expensive. And, and by the way, I've heard similar things from other companies, like, yeah. like a, for example, a, a direct mail provider that we partner with, that's just like, has a short list of markets that mm -hmm. they've really had trouble in. Yeah. Tampa's at the top of that list. Um, well, now we've done okay from a digital perspective, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things like in Utah where we probably pay a higher cost per lead than anywhere else. But still, Cody well, had a 5.5X on PPC last year, but it's because he closes a lot of them and their deals are really big. Yeah, well I understand Utah, because you got you guys, you got mm -hmm. Andy McFarlane, and there's uh, yeah. and then there's uh, another guy, who is it? Because I, I talk to Jason Clay right, on a regular basis, and he's like, all the best PPC <laughs> providers start in Salt Lake. Yeah, it's, it's true. I guess you learn where the where the going's tough, and then you, <laughs> if you can yeah. do it in Salt Lake, you can do it anywhere, right? right. Like that's where I learned. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was normal until I went to other markets, and I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that these markets are so yeah. much easier to do PPC in. Um, but it's it's expensive. It's tough. The the thing about PPC is like we sometimes see that like some of our hardest markets are like just this random like small market or something because hmm. it's it's highly dependent on competition. Right. So if you have a competitor like that is willing to value PPC leads very highly, then that could be an extremely competitive market even though it's very small. Yeah. Um, so it really is a factor, and they go up and down too, right? Like markets get expensive, and then what happens? There's an invisible hand behind PPC. Mm -hmm. People realize my ROI is not good. They jump out. It gets cheaper. Yeah. And it's just a constant flow. And Tampa is, I mean, supposedly Tampa was the guru capital until we took it over in Phoenix. So yeah. Be, maybe it's just where the gurus are. Yeah. Maybe that's the, the methodology. There. But anyways, um, like they, they manifest themselves in different ways, right? Like, like Phoenix, like I said, it's not the highest lead cost market, um, but it is probably the single market with lowest lead conversion based on yeah. what I've seen. Um, and then on YouTube, um, AI entrepreneur, is there a correlation between the type of leads that respond to digital marketing? Like, do they typically come from, are they pre-foreclosure, divorce, tax delinquent, or what are you seeing as typical avatar? Yeah, this is a really good question because people ask me all the time, <clears throat> can we target this type of property, this type of list? Um, the thing with digital marketing is it's, that's not its strength. Right. There are some ways, if you really want to, that you can kind of do those things. Um, but in my experience, you don't produce the kind of result you're looking for. Yeah. And you artificially inflate your cost per deal for some type of arbitrary goal. Mm -hmm. So digital marketing gets you a bunch of random leads. Right. You'll get so all kinds not, of There's motivation. no avatar. They're just, mm -hmm. it could be anything. You just get a subset of what's in the market. If 1% yeah. of the houses in your market are meth houses, probably 1% of your PPC leads, <laughs> right? Now, of the distressed houses that are right. motivated, right? If 1% of your houses in your market are meth houses, you have a <laughs> meth problem. You're either in Salt Lake or Phoenix. Um, I don't know, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Kai wants to know on YouTube, when would be the best time to start PPC? Best time. Um, this time of year is really good. Uh, I can tell you there is a little bit of seasonality in digital marketing, mm -hmm. just like a lot of channels. Uh, PPC is actually more consistent through the entire year than Facebook is, or than SEO is. Yeah. And the reason being, less people search in November and December, 
but you could still pay the same price per click. It depends on how your competition responds to that. Oftentimes they kind of ease back a little bit. Yeah. What happens is the pie gets smaller, but you also pay a smaller amount for your smaller piece of the pie. Um, SEO, less people search, you're just gonna get less leads. All right. And then Facebook, you get hit probably worse with seasonality than other channels. And the reason being, your response rate goes down, like the number of people you need to reach to get someone who's interested because the you know, the seasonality that people just aren't as interested that time of year. And that happens with most channels, but also the ad costs go up because the single biggest segment that advertises on Facebook is e-commerce companies. And they oh, tend really? to spend a lot of their budget Q4. So mm -hmm. picture it like direct mail where your response rate gets cut in half, mm -hmm. but then the post office says, people love mail right now, we're gonna make it 60 cents a card instead of 40 or whatever you're paying. Yeah. So you kind of get hit twice with Facebook versus PPC, you only get hit once. Got SEO, it. you only get hit once. Uh, so going back to Stephen Collier's question earlier, so just mm -hmm. percentage wise, right, 20,000, how much would you spend on SEO, PPC, uh, Google, and Facebook? Uh, SEO, 3,500, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, if you look at the, the rest of the budget, percentage wise, I would be more like two thirds in PPC, one third in Facebook. Got it. And then, you know, reevaluate. <laughs> of course, once you start to get some data, you can actually make data driven decisions. Mm -hmm. um, at this point, it's kind of a guess. Um, However, it. I believe that my guess is probably okay. Mm -hmm. but it's educated. It's educated because exactly. I see our clients that are spending that much and have dialed it in. Mm -hmm. How much are they spending on those different platforms? Something like that. Got but it. your situation will be different. Uh, so Rodrigo on YouTube, uh, what are the keywords that you've seen have great ROI? Ooh, this is a fun one. Um, I guess I'll, I'll say something a little bit controversial. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that any keyword has a better ROI than another keyword. I don't believe that there's any such thing as a good keyword or a bad keyword. Mm -hmm. And the reason being, all of that ignores any context of cost. The important thing is value. Picture this like you're wholesaling. You come into a market um, and you want to wholesale houses. What do you do? Do you look for cheap houses? Do you look for expensive houses? Well, the expensive ones will sell for more. Mm -hmm. The cheap ones, you're getting for a lower price. None of that makes any sense. What you do is you look for undervalued houses. Yeah. So in PPC, certain keywords are gonna be undervalued in your market compared to other keywords. That's gonna depend heavily on what your competitors are doing in that market. And that's where data is really important. We have a whole list of keywords and we know exactly that that keyword is worth two and a half times what that keyword is, assuming we're gonna get the click. Um, or if we get the lead, it's worth 1.3x or whatever the case is. And that's really important. So then what you'll find is you set your bids based on that kind of stuff. Because um, we don't use, by the way, any strategies that are like maximized conversions or maximized clicks, because that implies that all leads are created equal. Mm -hmm. We would set for different kinds of conversions uh, or different kinds of keywords, we would set different target cost per leads because we want to, we want to make it true to the value. Yeah. So the point being in your market, if you set what those things are actually worth according to quality data, what's gonna happen is some of that stuff, your competition's gonna be spending way more on it than it's actually worth. And you're just not gonna show up yeah. because they're overbidding and it's just not something you want a part of. Other things, they're all gonna be missing the boat. It's a really good keyword. They're just not bidding enough and you're going to be number one because you're way more aggressive than them. And then there's everything in between. But right. that purely depends on what price your com competition puts on those keywords, yeah. which is going to be different in every single market. So let me ask you, um, 
you know, you're saying like you know it depends on what the the keyword is worth and you want to bid accordingly so if mm-hmm. you can get it for 70 percent of market value like we do wholesale exactly that's kind of where you want to be but yeah uh do you think there are some specific keywords that are gonna have larger margins right because something that you know again robert once leaves on the show he's somewhere returning ad spend right mm-hmm. like we know like if they are looking for this right like sell my hoarder home for example just mm-hmm. hypothetically right we if do it ever re- gets searched. <laughs> we do really well with hoarder homes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, would it make sense to say, okay, if someone's looking for hoarder homes, like, it doesn't matter what it costs, I want it, right? I'll bet, I'll bid a thousand dollars for it. What are your thoughts on that? That just there's a cost mm-hmm. at which that's not worth it. I think what you'd be arguing is that there's some keywords that are worth far more than other keywords. Right. Their value is not infinite, though. Right. They still have a fixed value. Mm-hmm. So if that really were the case, and a thousand dollars is what you realize it's worth, mm-hmm. then yes. But what if everybody else thinks that? And then what if it's ten thousand dollars? Then is it still worth it? And there's always going to be a price that's too high right. for something, no matter how high quality that lead is. So that strategy would just assume that your competition doesn't think that thing is as valuable. So as I guess my do. question is: so when you're waiting it, do you wait like a expected value of assignment fee based off the keywords? Yes. Or are you able to track that data? Yes, um, and we always wish we had more data mm-hmm. because, like I said, 80% of leads come from things that have one click ever. So imagine you have a list of 300,000 different terms mm-hmm. that people have searched on Google and you have like a few hundred deals spread across it or something like that. Right. Like, How do you make sense of that? That's where we built our own predictive analytics technology yeah. and stuff like that that aggregates that data and predicts that these people are going to perform similarly to these other people based on these similarities and what they're searching. So is terms. there a way right this is just getting super nerdy here mm-hmm. is there a way right if someone googles this keyword right that lead goes into salesforce mm-hmm. with the keyword attached mm-hmm. and then six months later well, you, you pull back from salesforce here was the revenue from that keyword and then feed it back into your system to to you know again we're, we're feeding mm-hmm. the beast to get us the best data mm-hmm. the answer would be yes but there's a better way and we choose to do it the better way okay so the Everything about that I love, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that you're measuring based on a keyword. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Google today and how Google works, Google uses match types that I said at the beginning are a little bit sketchy. Yeah. And if you look according to Google's logic, like we maybe advertise on average with like 60 keywords or something like that for Mm -hmm. our clients. We look at a search term and it could have technically matched to like 58 of those keywords. Because <laughs> right. it's close enough to all of them. Yeah. The point there being, you're using buckets of data that have no walls. And that data is different every time you look at it. Mm-hmm. So now when you raise the bid on this keyword, Google's going to s- attach the search term to that new keyword because that's where you're going to pay more for it. Right. right. So the problem is every time you make an adjustment based on that kind of methodology, you lose data. So the way to do it is you capture what's called a GCLID, stands for Google Click ID, when someone fills out a form. Mm-hmm. That Google Click ID is a unique ID that applies to that particular click in Google. What you do from there is you will figure out what happens with that Click ID and then report via the API to Google, this is the Click ID, this is what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And then by doing that, not only do you know the keyword, you know what ad they clicked, you know the exact search term, you know the keyword, you know the ad group, you know the audiences, the demographics, you know the time of day, you know everything yeah. about that click. 
And where this gets really, really interesting, by the way, we're kind of moving this direction, but this is very advanced and it's not fully there. We can use some elements of this, yeah. but the, where it gets really advanced is when you take it from what's called an inferential perspective to a predictive perspective. Yeah. Um, and I, I know this, uh, you know, this is like, like college, like analytics stuff, right? Like, I don't, I don't think most real estate investors get this. So let me explain really briefly. Inferential analytics are basically analytics where you can understand what the data generation process is. Meaning you understand because it was that keyword, it was this, therefore we can make this change. Mm -hmm. Predictive analytics are where you don't understand why, but you understand what. Mm -hmm. And predictive analytics is basically machine learning, AI. Right. And it's much more effective at predicting outcomes than inferential analytics, which mm -hmm. would be, for example, statistical analysis. Yeah. And the real value of bringing that in is now, if you do that all right, you can utilize machine learning algorithms to predict on the data versus being limited just to that inferential level. And that's where, like if we're looking at where PPC is headed in this industry, that's where it's headed. The yeah. only people who are gonna be able to do that are gonna be those that have the most data because even those with the most data will hardly have enough data mm -hmm. to really make that work. So that's like our long-term play right. in this industry. Um, but that's so much more powerful than knowing which keyword it came from. So I think the key here is you guys need to roll that out, right? Start with Cody, right? That's the, the tough thing. You gotta start with everybody because you need so much data. Start with Cody. Yeah. And then me. Yeah. And then lock out Phoenix when anyone else I'm getting that. All right. I think enough. that's what we need to do. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and, and there are some elements of what I described that are present now. Mm -hmm. um, but to do it in a way that is excellently executed and just completely unbeatable is something that we're actively working towards. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a beast of a project. Well, I support this. I support this endeavor. All right. Thank you. Um, all right. So Corey on uh, YouTube. Thoughts on using Carrot as a landing page versus a custom landing page for PPC? Yeah, this is a, this is a fun one because last time we talked, mm -hmm. we used a lot of Carrot landing pages. Yep. And, and I love Carrot. I, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think Carrot's the only way. I think Carrot's the easier way to accomplish the same Great thing that you can start. accomplish other ways. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's idiot proof. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't make heavy, horrible modifications to your website, it will not be an F, right? Mm -hmm. But it'll just be a B. Yeah. Um, so I love Carrot, um, but we have seen a decline in conversion rates mm -hmm. over time um, to the extent that one of the biggest factors influencing our results for clients last year was heavy split testing on our own landing pages um, that are exceptionally fast and where we've tested all elements of the design, form, flow, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we've gotten to the point where we've, like for example, our most recent version, we keep on having clients say, but you should test it against my heavily customized site or my carrot site or whatever the case is. Like a dozen times we beat them by some type of really large value and, mm -hmm. and the, the landing pages have never been beat. So where I think you go wrong, generally when you use something like carrot for a landing page, is that you serve two purposes with the same website. Carrot is very heavily designed for SEO. And there's a few things that happen on SEO that aren't good for PPC. Mm -hmm. Specifically, you have a ton of links going to a ton of places because you're never gonna rank a one-page website in right. a search engine, right? Yeah. Just Google doesn't like that, right? So you have all those links. And when it comes to conversion, those are distractions. Right. 
And then the other thing is you have tons and tons of content. Have you ever read a carrot homepage and realized that they just said the same thing 50 times in different ways? It's SEO. That's SEO. Yeah, yeah. It, it's as sad as it is, that's SEO. But that has a negative impact on conversion rate. So why would you subject your PPC landing page to the same negative factors that you need to do for SEO? Mm -hmm. So my advice is make your website really well designed for SEO. Use an independent landing page that's really well designed for PPC. And that's what we have with our subdomains. That's exactly what we do for you. Yeah, we have the subdomain, it's unique. Um, and then by doing that, you can be good at both of them versus right. trying to like walk that line with one website. Yeah. Um, and then this is a different question from Kai. It was, what do you do to get over mental hurdles? Oh, wow. This is an unexpected question. I, I only yeah. talk about digital marketing. Did you, mm -hmm. did you tell him that? <laughs> what do I do to overcome mental hurdles? Um, I'm trying to think of what I, what I do. Um, I think it's always like, like one thing that I should have done earlier, mm -hmm. but I do now and has made a huge difference in my life is just to have visionary time every day. Because uh, it's so easy to get overwhelmed with all the stuff you need to do. Um, but it's, uh, it's really great to wake up in the morning and know that I've got an hour to focus on what those hurdles are, how I'm going to overcome them, and really have that end place in mind. Because if you go into the day seeing that end that you're shooting towards, then it's like the stuff that you run into in the day doesn't matter anymore. Right. But when you come in focused on those things, you lose that long-term vision. Um, so I don't know if that's the answer he was looking for, but if we're looking at things that have recently really made a big difference for me, it's just making sure I realign with that vision every single day. Um, and it keeps me a lot less stressed about the stuff mm -hmm. that happens during the day. And it opens my mind. I, I, I go for bigger goals and I'm more excited about those things and I'm better at getting other people on board. Yeah. All that stuff happens when I have that kind of clear mind. Um, and Nathan Brooks was here last week and you know we were talking about like having that vision in place, the daily reset, it's your North Star. You've mm -hmm. got your North Star and now you can make sure you're headed the right direction, but if you don't, you can kind of go off the beaten path and this and that and it doesn't take long to drift off completely mm -hmm. in the wrong direction. Uh, Corey G it. is asking what's been my experience with PPC. So, I want to say, and I can't speak here 100% intelligently. You might even know better than I would. I might, yeah. Um, but my experience, I believe we're between a two and three on uh, X on Google. Do you happen to know with our business where we're at? It's close to there. I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah. Part of it is we have deals that we don't know if they're going to fall through or go mm -hmm. through. Um, I know that, for example, we were looking at one really big one that mm -hmm. did fall through. Yeah. Um, so there's a where I think we are to summarize with PPC is we're early. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the total spend, it's not super significant compared to the size of deals that you're working with here. Um, but it appears that we're headed somewhere to that two to three X kind of range. Yeah. Um, and there's a few factors in that. Um, and they are specifically that we need to get a little bit more data about what our actual lead conversion is going to be mm -hmm. because our lead conversion has been much lower than we expect. But like I said, we're seeing that with other clients in Phoenix right now. And yeah. maybe it's just Phoenix. Maybe Phoenix just has worse quality leads in other places. Well, I know. I mean, one of the biggest challenges in Phoenix, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, all right? Uh, but one <laughs> of the biggest challenges we have here is we've got iBuyers, right? And we have a lot of operators. Like, there's just, uh, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses. Just the reality mm -hmm. is every time there's a new venture, it starts in Phoenix, right? Like, yeah. open door. Something about the place. Open door, yeah. offer pad, um, yeah. Zillow, right? Um, and they're off and on, like, I guess they're buying again. Um, 
you know, uh, even even the title companies, right? Like, they're all starting in Phoenix. So um, it's just an interesting model. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why, well, that's not, I don't, I don't think, I know. One of the things that when I first connected with you is like, hey, when you manage my PPC, do me a favor and turn off the east side. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Turn off the East Valley because East Valley, right? It was 1998 and newer. I can't compete against the iBuyers. So let's just turn that off. Yeah. Right? And we only target on the West side. So. Yeah, there's something to that. Um, but yeah, it's those, it's those little blanks that you can kind of fill in over time. Also, Phoenix has some unique keywords that other markets don't have. Mm -hmm. And we've invested a good deal into experimenting with those keywords, but we still need a lot of data to understand what the lead conversion is like in those keywords. Yeah. Um, one that we had discussed earlier is like 72 sold, mm -hmm. for example. I mean, they started here, right? Uh, who knows if they're going to other markets, but uh, they, they started here. Yes. They, they get more search volume than any other keyword here in Phoenix. Um, yeah, well, but what's the lead conversion on that? It's a little tough to say, right? Yeah. We know we can get cheaper leads. Um, yeah. So 72 sold, right? I mean, these are people that uh, typically are being pitched uh, over market, right? They're saying, I mean, it's, it's, it's astounding to kind of see, see what their ads are. Uh, the, you know what the message is on, on, on when they're marketing and then you know what the actual service is there's a, mm -hmm. a little bit of a cognitive dissonance right and I'll leave it at that um, yeah, I know you're not a huge fan but. <laughs> uh, so there's a little bit of a cognitive yeah. dissonance so um, but again just someone else that's here and they're spending a million dollars a month here right in marketing so uh, that's that's, that's who we get to play against um, so let's see what else we talked about here uh, we were talking about um, what's changed, right? So we kind of touched on it, uh, a, a few different things here. Anything else that's changed since you've been on uh, a year, since the year uh, it's been 11 months? I think we've touched on most of it. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at like how our company has changed, we've grown a lot mm -hmm. over this year. And because of that, we just have a lot more information about a lot of things. Yeah. And that's done really well for our clients. So you feel you can do more for your clients today than last year because Absolutely. you have more data. Than Absolutely. Last year. Yeah. We're, I mean, here, here's the thing. I, I tell my employees this and everything. We're not, we're not a digital marketing agency. I, mm -hmm. I don't believe that. I believe that we're a data company yeah. first and foremost. And the reason we chose to specialize in this industry, I mean, I'm not a real estate investor. Mm -hmm. um, now I am <laughs> I'll invest in some multifamily stuff. You guys have, shown me the light. But yeah. outside of that, why we chose to invest in this industry is because we saw no other industry that had as sparse of a data set mm -hmm. as this industry, meaning a data aggregator would be no more valuable in any other industry. And that's, that's our, been our game from, yeah. from the beginning. So there, there's a potential exit is kind of what I'm hearing. I mean, I, uh, there could be, right? Yeah. I, I think uh, for, for me, I'm not, no, that's not necessarily my plan, mm -hmm. but you know, one thing that, that inspired me once is, you know, Jason Lewis, I'm sure. Of course. I asked him what his plan was with some of his companies. I hope he's okay with me sharing this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he would be, but he, what he basically said, I asked him if he wants to exit or what, and, and mm -hmm. he basically said, I, my real dream is to have this company that I could exit for this amount of money, but that I never would because I love it so much. Yeah. And that's kind of my dream too, if that makes sense. Like I don't yeah. want to, uh, I'm not one of those guys just building a business to exit it, but I, I mean the same kind of things that you do to make a valuable business for exit are the kind of things that you do to make a valuable business to keep. Right. right? Um, 
Except maybe you're a little bit more careful yeah. <laughs> if you're going to keep it. But, but that's, if someone were to dangle you a billion dollars, though. A billion dollars, I mean, <laughs> might have to negotiate a bit from there. But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just the opening bid. Just the opening bid. You know, I'm sure they just wanted to be embarrassed by their first offer. Just yeah. come in with an anchor. And <laughs> come in real low. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey guys, uh, we've been answering all the questions here. If you guys need help with your business, uh, you know, send me a message on Instagram. Uh, what we're intentionally doing right now is kind of like helping you kind of navigate the right way. So send me a message on Instagram and we'll help point you in the right direction. Um, so what is your biggest struggle at this exact moment? Our biggest struggle is probably recruiting. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. We're going to have a group therapy session for this. Seriously, we just need to, to put all our feelings on the table because it is it is so hard. Yeah. And and to be fair, we've had some really good hires recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I there has never been another point where I've looked at the team in my company and been more confident that we have an incredible team. Yeah. I'm I'm really really grateful for that. But it's so hard to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've experienced a lot of growth. Um, and there's some positions that are just really hard. Um, not to make excuses, but Utah has like 2% unemployment right now, which is the lowest in the entire history of Utah. Wow. Um, and also digital marketing since COVID has grown a ton and therefore the entire industry is understaffed because there's more work than there are people to do it. So between those things, like yeah. we're just, we're kind of stuck in a tough place. Um, but it's taught us to be, to be efficient and work really well with what we have. And we have been getting more traction in recruiting, but there's some positions like I've hired three headhunting agencies to find me like one person in particular. Mm-hmm. Nobody can find one. Yeah. yeah. I have an in-house recruiter. I have three separate companies like willing to get a big commission to find mm-hmm. me one of those people and all of them, when they start out, they're like, yeah, totally. And then after a few months, like, I guess there's just nobody that we can find. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so it's, that's probably the single biggest challenge. Um, Rodrigo is asking, uh, what do you think could be the result for PPC marketing if the new legislations get approved? Um, I'm not sure what legislation he's talking about. He's probably referring to maybe some of the uh, legislation trying to prohibit wholesaling or make le- uh, wholesaling more difficult. That's probably what my guess is with, with his question. Yeah, um, if that's the legislation he's talking about, it would be positive for digital marketing as well as for many marketing channels. Anything that you do to cut out competition is going to make it cheaper. Yeah. Uh, the really sweet thing about digital marketing, like let's just take PPC for example, that's an auction. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you cut out half the people going to the auction? It's probably going to cut by more than a third. Might yeah, the price is going to be lower, right? Yeah. Um, so it's uh, like realistically, that could be really positive. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you're one of those people that gets cut out because it's really unfortunate because you're not licensed or you know who who knows what the what the case is, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but yeah. there's anything that cuts back on competition is I think good for those that aren't cut out <laughs> to the process. Yeah. All right. So, uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, right, or find out more, like what what would they do? Uh, so the the absolute best thing to do. Maybe I can just explain how the process sure. works. Um, you would go to batemancollective.com slash disruptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and on there, you'll find a form that you can fill out with your information. Um, this is your specific, if you're specifically interested in working with us. Um, what's gonna happen is someone on my team, his name is Noah, is going to have a scheduled call with you. And they will basically talk with you about the exact situation of your company and what kind of strategy we'd recommend. Noah has been digital marketing literally since I was in my mother's womb. He 
maybe it ages him a little bit. Uh, his first e-commerce website was in 1996. Oh, okay. Um, so that was the year I was born. Um, <laughs> the reason I bring that up is the guy knows a lot yeah. and he can take really, really good care of anybody that wants to learn yeah. about this. Um, so, so that would be the, the best recommendation. If anybody has campaigns that they want us to look at and kind of compare against best practices, because we touched like such a small portion of what we can today mm -hmm. and a lot of generalized things, because yeah. we're talking to a wide audience. Mm -hmm. You can make a huge impact looking at someone's specific data and deciding what they need. So I'd highly encourage you to go to batemancollective.com slash disruptors. And I think you could put that link in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where you can schedule a call with us and we can just see if it's a good fit. Got it. Um, guys, uh, just a couple of real quick announcements. Uh, if you guys got value today, you know, if this is going to help you guys with your business, please like the show, right? Uh, subscribe, share. Leave us a five-star review in iTunes. You know, our goal is we just hit a million downloads. Our goal is to eventually catch Joe Rogan. I know that sounds crazy, but this is the reason why we did all this crazy stuff. So please, right, help us reach more people. And we do have the workshop coming up in three weeks. If you guys are interested, send me a message on Instagram, uh, DM me workshop, and we'll see if it makes sense for you. And then tune in next week. We got my good buddy, Carlos Reyes, coming in. So you'll be able to uh, check out what's the latest in his journey. Uh, so what are some last thoughts you want to leave everyone with? Last thoughts. That's mm -hmm. a that's a tough one. Um, I Well, first... Thank you so much for inviting me out here again. This was yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, it's my pleasure. Never been so excited to hop on two planes in one day. <laughs> um, outside of that, yeah, I, I think um, I, I really encourage people to to consider digital marketing as a viable option for the business. I mean, yeah. I know I know that you did. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it has worked and out really well, and still do. Yeah, yeah. you didn't quit it. Right? Well, and, and remember, this is how I started, right? Like yeah. back when I started buying houses it was me and sean terry two dollars a click and twelve dollars a lead i would literally murder somebody to get those days back <laughs> you might not want to say that so many times on recorded podcasts no I, you might I, be I suspected stand, i day. stand by it i stand i fully stand oh, by all right it. all right uh, but <laughs> and that's actually one of the things i appreciate about working with you is i, I feel like uh I just like that you kind of get the game anyways, yeah. and you still trust us with it. Yeah. And it's uh, it just makes me happy. You know, it's one of those moments in your business where you look back and you think like, well, Steve likes us. I think we're doing all right. Yeah. Like that, that makes me happy. Um, but, but especially because it's really hard. Because I've prior to meeting you, because I shared this with you before, right? Like prior to meeting you, there, someone's like, hey, Steve, let me do your PPC. Like, okay, let's sit down, let's have a conversation, and I'll vet them. It's like, no, there is no way I'm trusting you with my PPC business, right? Yeah. So it, it takes a good amount for me to trust somebody. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly how it was managed or anything before we worked with you, but yeah. I think the exact words you used were dumpster fire last time we <laughs> talked to describe the situation yeah. when you actually did pull the trigger some way. So I'm oh, glad yeah. that we turned that around yes. uh, and everything. So I, I really think, like, like if I'm looking at the kind of value that we provide in these consultations, it's it's extremely high level of value, yeah. uh, you know, enough to get Steve convinced, right? <laughs> right? That that's, that means something, right? So so I highly encourage anyone to, to at least explore the option, see if it makes sense for your business. Um, I don't know of any place that you can go where you'll get more transparent information about yeah. what you can really expect from people that are actually in a position to say that yeah uh, so i think there's value there awesome and again someone wants to get a hold of you um so if they want to get a hold of me specifically um then you can always reach out on facebook brandon bateman mm -hmm. is my name we probably have like 50 mutual friends yeah um and then 
specifically if they are interested in working with us, um, then Noah's their guy. It's batemancollective.com slash disruptors. Um, and of course, if you got anything like super complicated, I'll, you know, Noah can bring me in. Um, but I'll, I'll see you on the onboarding call, of course, yeah. if, it's, uh, you know, if it's a good fit. Um, but that's probably the best place to go there. Um, simply because, you know, last time I was on here, people were booking out my calendar like a month really? from when the podcast was. Because wow. I only got so many hours in the day. Yeah. Um, so I'm really grateful that we have someone that is staffed literally to, to talk to whoever reaches out from this. So Robert, since he's been in the show, mm -hmm. impossible to get a hold of because he's... Because <laughs> he's slammed. He's slammed. I, I believe it. It's a, <laughs> we, we got probably no less than 200 people reach out. Wow. after the last time I was on the show, yeah. um, which was you know, amazing. I'm super grateful for the, for the yeah. whole opportunity and experience and everything. Um, but, but, so anyways, if you want to talk to us sooner than later, then I recommend reaching out sooner than later <laughs> as well because the yeah. calendar books up. Um, but, but anyways, that's, that's the best way to, to become a part of the family, so to speak. All right, awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for watching. See you guys next week.